Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're into the final two hours of the show. Wait, is that right? Two hours? Yeah. yeah. That means we've done two hours. You see, we're halfway, kids. Well, it's like hump hour. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Wednesday comment, is that what that was yeah, all about? Yeah, yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, okay. hump day. Hey, we've been doing a thing called Crawling Back to the Light. It's a little segment on the show. And basically, to summarize, uh, back in 2010, after seven years of hosting Canada's most listened to spiritual talk show, I came out on air. I admitted during an interview with Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias that I was no longer convinced that there was a God. Mostly because after 30 years of having a, quote, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I said that with a little attitude in it, didn't you I? You did. Anyway, I realized that this God I was serving wasn't actually all that personal. My journey. So going public as a doubter, not an atheist, a doubter, although many people have called me the A-word. Which? Oh, that one. Okay, sorry, my mistake. no longer considering myself (laughs) uh, part of the evangelical tribe of certainty. But I I, I kept hearing so many... uh, People in my tribe would talk about uh, certain stuff, you know, yep. certain stuff. Anyway, I left organized religion. I left the church and I left it up to God to reveal himself to me through one of those tangible encounters I kept hearing so many in the tribe talk about. Anyway, because of some fractured relationships in my world, me being the common denominator. Back to that A word again. <laughs> Different uh, one 2017 now. <laughs> ended up being the worst year of my life. So I've decided that since my way didn't work, it's time to crawl back to the light. And I've decided to once again do this publicly. Uh, As embarrassing as it is to admit personal and spiritual failure, uh, my hope is that others experiencing similar frustrations might learn something from these conversations with a few people who've had a profound impact on my life. Uh, I'm still not sure that there's a God, but my life was better when I thought there was one. So now what do I do? So joining us today... Uh, I guess our crawling back to the light guest today is Father Richard Rohr, Franciscan friar, author, globally recognized ecumenical teacher. And uh, I'm going to put another one on there. He's an Enneagram guru as well. Oh, really? Don't you know? Which has been a huge, huge impact, made a huge impact on my world, this Enneagram business. Uh, can I call you, what do I call you again? I, sorry, I think I did this last time you were on the show. Do I call you Father Richard, Father Rohr, Franciscan Friar, (laughs) Richard Rohr? Richard Richard is fine. That's what most people call me. Thank you. Great to have you back on the show. And and it's great to have you back on the show because I, I, truth be told, I don't really know you. I just know what you write and I know what people say about you. And I, and I've listened to some of your speaking things and for some reason, I feel safe with you. Why? Well, why, do you th- why do you think that's the case, Richard? Wow. Well, it's a compliment for sure. I hope it's true. Uh, why would that be the case? You know, I guess because I've been around long enough to to see a little bigger frame. And when people don't feel framed in a small one, they're more likely to feel safe. I hope that's the case. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there are those in the evangelical tribe of conservative dogmatic certainty. Boy, can I put any more adjectives in there? Um, <laughs> who who would say, well, well, of course he feels safe with, with Father Richard Rohr. Because, you know, he's one of them liberal kumbaya, everyone gets into heaven guys. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's what they think. Uh 
I, I don't know what I should say to that. It's just, uh, you know, it's that desire. Well, it's that desire for certitude again. Create a box, put the person in the box, and then you don't really have to be in relationship or dialogue with them. Hmm. Uh, and I'm sure I do the same thing. But it doesn't get us anywhere, does it? I don't think. No. No, it is no. not. It is not. No. Well, it does get us somewhere. Uh, I think further back down the road, maybe not ahead, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, Richard, when I first sent you the email and, and kind of told you what we're getting into today, what, do you remember sort of having a thought, oh, yep, this is, this is, here are some things I probably would like to say when this interview happens. Is there anything that jumps to your mind when someone says, well, it's time to come back to God? What's the first thing that jumps into your brain? Well, so often, the God they're even feeling they need to come back to is still this inert male monarch sitting on a throne somewhere. You know, uh, it's, it's not a God that's worth coming back to. Now, that's a terrible generalization for me to make, but I find it so often true that, that so much of people's God they're even returning to is not the true loving flow that was supposed to be revealed through the Trinitarian mystery that Christianity says it believes in. But it, it, it's much more a monarch. And so I just as soon not have them return to that. It, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. I, I'd like to know the God you're returning to. Well, I'm glad, uh, you, I'm glad you asked that, because because the only way I can... Hold on. Let me just actually make an attempt to define that or to put some okay, descriptors on this. Yeah. The God I think I'm returning to, who, boy, right to the heart of the issue. Jeez. Um, <sighs> That's all right. I'd rather have you struggle for the right words or the right experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The God I think I'm coming back to, I will, I, I can, I could admit these things. This is the creator. And in my mind, if there is a God, then God is love or has, is the author of love. And, and I think the only way I'm going to have my tangible relational encounter that I desire so much, because I heard about it so much in the, in the evangelical tribe of certainty, yeah. is, is actually going to be through the, through the souls of those in my, the, the souls I encounter. It's going to be through peeps, through peeps, like I'm 14-year-old uh, homie what? here. Yeah, uh, through, It's going to be through people. But then, then here, I, Richard, I go right to, then why don't I buy into humanism? If the only way I'm going to encounter a or have some intangible encounter, relational encounter with the creator of the, of the world is through people, then maybe it's humanism I'm after. You know, let me say something. I hope it doesn't shock. It shouldn't. Uh, what, what we now call humanism in the West is really the direct child of Christianity. It's not, it's not a different world. It's, you live the incarnate mystery of Christ long enough, and that's the incarnation taken to its logical conclusion, that you, you really don't need to use 
religious language per se to be inside the flow of divine love. And once you see that flow, of course you see it in other people. Uh, In fact, that's my only definition of a Christian, is one who can see Christ everywhere else. And maybe that starts feeling like humanism. I'm about to turn 75, and in all, I've been a priest almost 50 years. I find explicitly religious language less and less helpful. And yet I'm, I'm, I hope I'm 100% Catholic Christian, but uh, I don't need the vocabulary. The vocabulary keeps you in a box too much, it seems to me. And so, huh. uh, let me say it again. I think humanism, uh, the love, the, a horizontal experience of love, instead of just seeking a vertical experience of love, is the final mature shape of Christianity. Wow. wow. That's why Jesus can put the second commandment equal to the first. And when they become equal, of course, you even have the geometric image of the cross, the so-called vertical line, not that God is up there, and the so-called horizontal line. But you're probably on the right course. Okay. Um, well, it is. I mean, the correlation for me ties in with why I'm crawling back anyway. I'm crawling back anyway because of fractured relationships with other humans. Uh-huh. So... That's pretty normal, too. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I guess, if, you know, if that's, my, if that's one of the, the big pushes for me to, you know, realizing I'm sitting here with fractured relationships and, and um, processing the loudness of loneliness... Um, and seeing seeing my um, seeing what role I've played in all of this stuff, yeah. Um, I think basically what I'm saying is I need a lot of help being a, a better dude. <laughs> uh, and I've I've not come across more helpful stuff than the red letters that Jesus apparently said. Mm, wow. Well, just know that. Uh, the only way we finally, gradually know what right is, is by doing it wrong. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, the, uh, that's the path. I, I don't know why Christians don't get that, that the spiritual journey has never been described as a, a straight line. The way of the cross is three steps forward, two steps backward. You get it, you lose it, you get it, you lose it, and the losing it, the missing the mark becomes the longing for the mark. <laughs> uh, that's how God creates the leverage forward, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. At what, Richard, have you ever had, I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but I don't want to assume sure. that you've had some kind of similar experience in your 70 years of of walking this earth where you've you've leaned into God a whole bunch of a whole bunch of years whatever and then you went oh this is ridiculous and you pulled away and then I don't know dark night of the soul kind of stuff or have you been Richard Rohr your entire you know <laughs> no you know for me it's uh, much more just periods of bored with the whole thing or doubting my authenticity maybe that is a dark night experience where where God doesn't feel real, I think I'm kidding myself, I'm playing a game, I'm living up to a role, 
do I really believe what I've just preached? Yeah, that's been the story of most of my middle years, I would say. Yeah. I think it's part of the deal. I don't think there's any other way. I really don't. And in fact, keeping yourself on this supposed clear, believing course toward God it usually involves a lot of denial and pretend. Uh, faith just doesn't grow that way, in my experience. Richard Rohr, um, what... I mean, have you ever seen someone fail at crawling back to God? <laughs> oh, yeah, you'd have to say. But I had also add, and I'm not trying to be clever, but is it really failing? I'd have to see how the whole thing finally plays out. Because, uh, Drew, the, the God that a lot of people have crawled away from, they needed to crawl away from to grow up. <laughs> It was a codependent childhood conditioning. It isn't the great biblical notion of faith. You know, the first thousand years of Christianity understood faith much more as this balancing of knowing with not knowing. And that's why I'm glad you used that phrase, this club of certitude. I mean, the first centuries of Christianity would have called that silliness. Yeah. That's not that's not historic Christianity. It's it's a recent North American, largely southern part of the United States invention. And we've exported it to the whole world. The early fathers of the church wouldn't know what you were talking about. Uh it it's such a diversion. Hmm. Uh, and I know that feels like a major turnaround, but this lust for certitude historically drew where it probably emerged was, of course, you know, we got argumentative after the Reformation, then we have two centuries of the rational enlightenment. We Christians in Europe in particular, and the universities of America, started feeling pretty stupid and outside the conversation. So almost in the same period, the middle of the 19th century, we Catholics decided that the Pope was infallible. We got along 1,900 years without an infallible Pope. And just about the same time, the good Protestants decided the Bible was inerrant. Now here's my point, that, that can you see both groups are frantically yeah. searching for a new locus of authority, a new absolute, a new ground, a new center. We feel like we can't be a part of the in intelligent conversation anymore. So we create our own world inside of which we have criteria by which we can be certain. Uh, the price we paid for that was choosing to live in a very small club. The Protestant Evangelical Club or the pre-Vatican II Roman Catholic Club. Uh, now, we had Vatican II, which freed a lot of us from that, but evangelicalism is struggling its way through it, because it thought it had a right, a divine right, to certitude. That isn't love of God, that's, that's love of control. Wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and, yeah, and uh, the young evangelicals are beginning to see that. I, I think half of our staff, we have 40 people on our staff here. 
I think half were evangelicals, and they're beautiful people. But boy, have they had to struggle with what faith means. What? Let's see. With with everything that I, I mean, I sent you, I emailed you, and, and I read the whole intro to the start of this whole segment, Crawling Back to the Light. Is there anything that is um, broken in the explanation that you see or hear? In other words, you, you heard my, my story, yeah, and, and you kind of go, well, the premise is a bit off. Uh, just in the way you're describing this, something sounds off. Does anything sound, I mean... I'm, look, I'm sure my story is just a typical story. It's just that it happens. I happen to have a microphone, and I'm sh- I'm sharing it loudly. Mm-hmm. Is, is that fair? You think? I mean, there's yeah, nothing. Very, very yeah. fair. I think you're understanding what I'm saying, and I'm just saying a bit off, not entirely off. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the God that so many goodwill people are abandoning, they have to abandon to grow up. Now, I'm not the first person to say that. But I say that not out of reading a book. I say that out of hundreds of people I've had to spiritually direct over the years, how you've got to go through deeper levels of darkness to come into the light. Hmm. And whenever you go into the new stage of darkness, it feels, and probably is, a loss of faith. But it's a loss of your previous, previous level of faith. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what—that's why faith is so difficult, and I might add, so rare. Because unless you, you know you you have the grace uh, given by God, I'm sure, to hold on to you during the periods of darkness, you just slip into a deep skepticism, cynicism. That's half of North America. It's not more than half. <laughs> <Sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, what I would like, hold on. First of all, I want to let our listeners know we're going to actually open up the phone lines in uh, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Um, and, and I know that there have been, well, we've got a few listeners who have sent in a, a voice recording that you can do through our website. There's a little feature there you can send. Uh, it's called Speak Piper or something like that. Is that what it's called, Tim? Yeah. Speak Pipe, yeah. Speak Pipe. <clears throat> anyway, uh, we'll open up the phone lines. People have journeyed with me. I mean, I've been doing the show for 15 years. People have been putting up with my nonsense the whole time here. And uh, and I know that there are many people out there that have something they'd like to say to me in regards to me sort of doing this crawling back to the light thing. So the phone lines will open up uh, shortly. 877-569-1250. That's 877-JOY-1250. If you have any advice. See, it even pains me to say this because of my pride and ego, Richard. If like, Listen to this. If you have advice for how I should crawl back to God, call now. Like, it just sounds so goofy. Um, sounds like an infomercial. It does. It just sounds <laughs> bizarre. But I'm that, I'm, I'm, I guess I kind of feel a little spiritually desperate. And I'm, I'm willing to hear f- from anybody. You know, I used to, Richard, I used to say this. I mean, you know, somebody would go to a certain church and I'd go, oh, that church, oh my goodness, they're, they've got, they're dogmatic and legalistic and blah, blah, blah. And I feel justified in saying so because if Jesus was ever ticked off at anybody, it was those sorts of people. And so I felt justified poo-pooing that church. But these days, if someone's going to that church, my response is, well, if their relationships uh, are, are good, then they're 20 steps ahead of me. So what do I got? Nothing. So shut up, Drew. (laughs) 
you know, can I say this? Um, God will certainly honor your, as you're putting it, crawling back to God. But here'd be the little doubt I'd like to offer you. Notice that the emphasis is still upon you doing the crawling back. Uh-oh. And, <laughs> and it'll be much more, when it happens, and it is already happening, uh, for sure, uh, it will be experienced as a being led back, drawn back, a surrendering, an allowing. It won't be, you won't be the agent. Huh? And there's too much agency, if you'll allow me to say that, in, in the language of crawling back to God. We don't crawl back to God, I don't think. <laughs> now, the fact that you have the goodwill that you want to, uh, that's good, and God honors that. But I promise you, when you emerge out of the other side of this darkness, you will know it was done unto you much more than anything you yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. hindsight might reveal that. It's so interesting you use the term agency. I had a, had a good long conversation uh, on Thursday with Paul Young, who I, I, I really, really likes you. Like, I think I like you. He really uh, likes you. We were together here last year. We had a huge conference on the Trinity. He's a wonderful man. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he used that word as well in the same kind of oh, context, huh? agency. You know, he was kind of warning me, uh, oh, you know, to, to look at the the agency of all of this and, and how, you know, control, you know, even though I'm saying, oh, I'm crawling back to God, I'm doing the right thing or whatever, there's still so much control in that verbiage. Yeah, there is, there is. And thank you for being humble enough to at least hear that. Uh, that's the beginnings of, of turning it around. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let me ask you, uh, Richard, and by the way, we're, we're speaking with Richard Rohr. Father Richard Rohr. It's, it's got to be an Irish thing. Father Richard Rohr. Franciscan friar, author, globally recognized ecumenical teacher, uh, Enneagram guru, and he has the same holy chuckle as the Dalai Lama. I'm going to say that right there. Do you, do you hear that, Tim? Does he not have the same holy chuckle? Yes, he does. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. You're so sweet. Thank so you. So the is a little... <laughs> yeah, he's a little higher. He gets up there. Um, I've asked this of my other crawling back people. What role does pretending play actually in faith? Because I'm, I'm still not, you know, sure that there's a God. And I think that's actually what faith is or th that plays a role in the description of faith, not being certain in something requires mm. then faith. So faith has gone from a noun to a verb in my world. Very good. Mine too. Okay, but what role does pretending play in all of this? Well, you've heard that phrase. I think the AA people use it, fake it till you make it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not completely wrong. I do think you have to try it on for size, take a, a step in that direction. That isn't really faking, and it might feel like it sometimes, but it really reveals goodwill, uh, open-heartedness, good intentionality. Now, if you spend your whole life, you know, being a complete hypocrite, but that's not what you're saying. You're saying, uh, I've got to act as if I do believe in other words, let go of some of the resistance. Yeah. Let go of some of the cynicism. Uh, and that's good. That's good. 
Yeah, I've been calling it my my big backpack of yeah buts. <laughs> and it's and it's hard. I've said this numerous times. It's hard. It's really hard to crawl when you've got a giant backpack of yeah buts. Backpack, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I have you walked. I don't know. I should I should know this, Richard. But have you walked the Camino? No, I haven't. Uh huh. You know, when so many of my friends started doing it, I was already getting a little too old. Uh, I wish I had done it when I was younger. Yeah. But I haven't. No, sorry. So, having done that in 2016, and and I think I mentioned to you that I did it within a three-month vow of silence, uh, I I look back on that time period, and people... Somebody just asked me at the coffee shop before I came up to the studio here. They said, uh, you know, what did you get out of that? What did you learn? And I think, ultimately, at the bottom of all this... This has to do with. Um, see, I, I can I can pick up on 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 tribal nuances really too quickly. I could, I, sh- I should have been a sociologist. I could have given, given Tony Campolo a run for his money. Um, and, and I just pick up on these little conditions and and nuances and and societal ticks. And and I ended up just just getting tired, sick and tired of of uh, of people. Um, and then I walked the Camino, and I I fell in love with people again. Wow! Um, and, and so, the, but I don't know why. Like why? Because I was because I finally shut up. Was that part of it? Because I was out in nature ten hours a day. Was that part of it? Because I didn't. I wasn't working at a job. But was that part of it? I was escaping reality. Was that part of it? I mean, it, um, ultimately, what I need. To do if I'm going to get into this spiritual stuff and if I'm going to do the God thing, I got to be a better person instead of an of an, an abrasive jerk. <laughs> well, could it be? I mean, you know, when you don't have a place to lay your head that you're in control of, you frankly just needed people more, wouldn't you think? Uh, I assume you met new ones each day. Uh, you'd be pretty lonely without the other folks on the Camino, yeah. I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. that God uses everything. Mm-hmm. And he would use you to get out of your head and get into relationship. Not that you seem to be that much in your head. but Well, no, but that, I mean, I, yeah. I'm an Enneagram 4, so I'm very... Oh, you're a 4. Can I just tell you, I really wish I was any of the other types. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's a sign you've got the right number. When you wish, I'm a one, and I just, oh, I wish I were not a one. I have a hard time loving ones. <laughs> I'm seeing myself over there. You I know? know, I know. I look at other fours, and I go, shut up, you dramatic little princess, you know? <laughs> of course, of course. That tells me you're a four. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, okay, let me just let our listeners know again. I, we've had some people call in already, but the phone lines are not, we're not quite there yet. But the uh, the phone lines will be open in just a couple of minutes. It's uh, 877-JOY-1250, toll-free across North America, 877-JOY-1250, 877-569-1250, 877-569-1250. We're going to open up the phone lines. This is the first time we've done this in this segment, uh, crawling back to the light. And ba- basically, it's this. I'm, I, I'm actually at a point where I got nothing, and so I'm looking for advice from anybody, and that means our listeners. You know, 
what are you hearing when it comes to this crawling back to the light business that I'm that I'm attempting to verbalize? Love to hear your opinions. I scared a little bit too because because I can picture myself rolling my eyes already. Like this is the kind of jerk I am. Please call and give me some spiritual advice, even though I'll be rolling my eyes. You know who says that, Richard? Come on. <laughs> you have a great sense of humor for a four. Usually fours are almost maudlin, you know, very yeah. serious. Oh, he's a jerk, trust me. Oh, stop. <laughs> That's Tim across the board there. Okay, before we say goodbye to you, I guess practically speaking, I want to grab onto the handlebars of this of this crawling back to the light business. Practically, can you give me two or three things that you think I should... I should work into this. Otherwise, it's just some ethereal lit candle in my in my yeah. in my conscious, and uh, you know, next thing you know, I'm kumbayaing my way through things. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, the first thing that comes to mind is going to sound like what you just said, but I want you to trust when you can feel a yes energy inside of yourself. Ooh. Not resistance, not cynicism, not negativity, not judgmentalism, but a flow. Uh, the life of God is most experienced as a positive flow, which is why we call it life. <laughs> it is life. It's the basis of all life. Uh, but the, the negative voice of cynicism and doubt, uh, I don't mean doubt that there is a God, just doubt about reality. Yeah. Doubt, doubt about yourself. Doubt about, does it all mean anything? So watch for those pushback voices. And after a while, you'll, you'll know how they feel. You'll know how they sound. I've become such a happier person as I don't trust those. And as a one on the Enneagram, those are the voices that come to me first. <laughs> yeah. You know, judging the world and critiquing things and... Oh, it just killed me by the middle of life if I didn't learn to to move beyond it. So that's the first thing. Did you want more? Yes, I do want more. But that was awesome. <laughs> no, I, but I, what I want. Else have I got? Let's see. I want to tell you. Hold on. That one was that actually resounded quite fiercely inside of me. Oh, be oh good. Because because I do have the spiritual gift of pessimism. Yeah, yeah. And cynicism. And and yeah. and you just said, I think maybe I'm saying this wrong. I'm rewording it now. Lean into that resounding yes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Most of us in the West, uh, once we're high school educated, we're cynical. You know, it's just <laughs> it's the air we breathe. Yeah. And if you go off to college, you're even more cynical. Yeah. Uh, so, but we got to recognize how abnormal that is. That our first voice is no toward reality uh maybe that's enough yeah right? no i'm no i'm willing to hit it and quit as james brown said that's <laughs> that's a good thing right there listen um it means an awful lot that you found time to come back on our show richard uh easy i easy. don't i don't i don't want to sound mushy but thanks you're most welcome thank you i hope i get to meet you someday god bless drew thank you richard thank you. take care bye-bye bye there you go, Richard Rohr, Father Richard Rohr, Franciscan friar, author, globally recognized ecumenical teacher, Enneagram guru. What else did I say he was? I gave some, dropped some uh, other thing on him there. Irish-sounding name guy, <laughs> great beard dude. Yeah, that's it. That's what I said. 
Um, okay, you know what? We're going to do this now. I also have got SpeakPipe open there, Tim, yeah. on one of the tabs. So we'll play some messages from a few different people. So the phone line is 877-569-1250. 877-569-1250. Um, kind of a vulnerable thing, I guess. Uh, a little part of me is hoping no one calls. <laughs> 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 877-JOY-1250, 877-569-1250. The phone lines are open. I actually am looking, I'm that dopey right now spiritually that I'm looking for advice from our listeners, from anybody. Just if you were me after seven years of, I guess, sort of walking away from from the tribe, from God, from religion, then what, what what advice would you give me? How do I how do I start again? How do I crawl back? You know, I know some people out there already think, well, you were really never a Christian in the first place if you walked away, because you couldn't walk away from it. I mean, something so beautiful. And God's role in all. Are you saying God is weak and he and he let you walk away? You know, there's that theology out there. Yeah, I, I love that judgmentalism. That's that's. <laughs> I think that's the third commandment: love God, love your neighbor, judge mercilessly. Well, it's a it's a theology. It's a thing. It's a there are people that subscribe to that or but ascribe. It's, it's wrong. How do Who you says you? Uh, how do you love your neighbor by judging them? No, what they're saying is, again, theologically, they're not saying you're a jerk. What they're saying is, you could not have walked away from God if you had actually surrendered to God, if you had actually become a follower of Christ, if you actually, if it was See, real, I don't, I don't, then God has this. You know, it's like you're one of his kids. I don't remember the jailer verse. The jailer verse. Yeah, once you're with me, you can't get out. I don't remember right. that particular verse. Right. So that just that's just me. Yeah. I mean, I'm on my own little journey these days, too, so All right. a lot of this is resonating. All right. Uh, should we go to the phones? Is, sure. Yeah, let's let's chat, chat with somebody. Uh, hi, who's this? Hello, it's Ruby. Hello, Ruby. How are you? Your biggest fan from Alberta. Well, thanks. Just get off the couch there while you're talking to us. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Ruby, how are you now? Well, I hate to break it to you, but I have no advice for you. That's one of the best calls I've ever had. Yes, that's awesome. Please call again. No advice, um, eh, Ruby? No, because if I had advice for me, I'd have advice for you. And you know what? I've been tracking with you for, what, 11 years now? Yeah. Since Huntley Street and through everything, and um, I don't know. Last year was the worst year of my life too. So what am I supposed to package this all up for you and tell you how to live yours? So I can't. I just want to know if anybody's actually pulling up beside you and sitting down in the ashes and just sitting there and saying nothing. Because I think that's the best friend you can have if that person does that for you. Yeah. Well, I can hear it in your voice, Ruby, that that this is an important thing, and I would concur immensely with you that this is an important thing, as I have done with others, even in, in the situations of chaplaincy, when I walk into a hospital room and a loved one is dying, it's not my role to quote scripture and verse, it's not my role to give them the, the uh, shiny rainbow Skittles moments, you know, it's my role to shut up and be present, and uh, and so I I actually want to how do I how do I say this? It's um no it's hard it's it's really hard for people to do that. And so I I um I don't know if I have, if I've got that. And even if I do have that, 
I got to admit, it still makes me a little awkward. I still want conversation. Like, just for someone to actually sit in silence with me, I have to let them be part of that inner inner circle, that inner sanctum of me, because that's that's where the ugliness really is. This isn't a brain trip, though. That's just what it's been sounding like. It's it's you need advice. This isn't this isn't a brain trip. Right. And that's okay if you need. I mean, I have this with my hubby. He's he likes to have all. He likes to go on brain trips, and he needs to know stuff. And that's okay. And I go with him on that. But it's it's not a brain trip. Yeah. I've been out of the church for about the same time you have. Every time you give me years, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of when I left too. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you should stop listening to the show. It sounds like it's yeah. We've, <laughs> we've had dragging a you in there. No. <laughs> No, Ruby, you've been on your own journey, that's for sure. It's deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's you know, ask the questions. I love I love hearing Bruxy so far was my favorite interview. Well, don't tell him that. He doesn't need that kind of encouragement. No, I know, but I just that was it was good what he said. I liked and I'm listening cuz I need that advice. Maybe I'm looking for the advice too. Yeah. You know. Well, let me ask you then, Ruby, do you have someone who can just sit alongside of you uh, in the same kind of poopy diaper? Yeah, my mom does. And she's gone through worse pain than I have, so hmm. it depends how you look at it. We just we all sit together, I think, when you can sit together and and just understand this is a journey. And at one point she changed your diapers, so there's a whole big Hopefully. connection there. Yeah. One by the dust. Maybe it's the dust. <laughs> I think I think Job's friends made a mistake when they opened up their mouth. But if you read the story, they sat in the ashes with him. Yeah. And uh, then they then they opened up their mouth and that was probably where it all went wrong. One of my favorite moments from that film uh, Bowling for Columbine. Uh, Michael Moore did. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a moment where, you know, um, Marilyn Manson was being accused. Is his music made these two boys kill everybody? And the interviewer was saying, what would you say to these kids that are saying this to you about your music? And he says, I wouldn't say anything. I would just listen. And the most Christian response on that entire movie is from the, the one from Marilyn Manson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it always yeah. struck me. Well, Ruby, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your... Uh, I, this is just not going to sound right, but Ruby, I think Ruby will get it. Ruby, I appreciate your skid marks as well. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be well, my friend. All righty. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you, bye. That's a good one. Well, I said that to you in that text. You know, you were encouraging me again with something. Yeah. Sorry. Jerk. And I responded by, you know, I think you said something like, you know, I think what you're doing here on the show with this segment is helpful for for people. And I said, who knew that anybody would get anything out of my skid marks? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's definitely the whole thing about sitting with people. It's definitely something I've learned over the years. Yeah. Um, I know with uh, when my wife was going through her depression, I had to learn how to just sit. I always, you know, she taught me you can't give me answers. Sometimes I just need you there. And it was hard to learn, but the the, the amazing thing is I, I I really understood it when I went through my depression, and she knew how to sit with me. And, uh, yeah, sometimes answers are the last thing you want. You just need a shoulder to cry on, to lean on, a hand to hold, just, just even the presence of someone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
Let's let's uh, play a couple of speak pipe messages that came in through our website. If you ever want to leave us a an audible voice message, you can go to drewmarshall.ca, and then the little pop-up comes on the right side of the screen. It says speak pipe. Make sure your microphone works, and uh, click record, and away you go. Uh, let's play the, uh, there's three of them there. Let's play the bottom one first. I think that's from who? Uh, it's from Wayne. Okay, here's a comment from Wayne. Let's see if the volume is up, and away we go. I could understand, Drew, why you don't like some of Christ's fan club. <laughs> and a lot of the preachers, they all attack each other. And uh, one can quickly see, I tell you, Christ is true. He is real. But, um, you know, they compete for money and probably um, for a fellowship for people to go there. But I remember uh, there's a guy named Martin Zender. He said that... Um, all of the prophets in Christ and none of them went to organized religion and they were and they and anybody who stayed institutionalized was miserable and organized religion actually killed all of the prophets <laughs> and uh, so that's uh, probably you know I don't try not to have a negative attitude against all of them but uh, some of them hold pagan traditions they mix error with truth Christ was perfect in the gospel, it says they make the incorruptible corruptible, I guess, because you maybe may being a, a pastor once would know this. And that's the sad part. And I've heard some of the guests you've had on the show uh, that partake to biblical Christianity. This was a couple of months ago during the summer that you had, and you had some great shows there. Anyways, keep up the great work and keep the faith. Bye-bye. Sorry, that was who again? Wayne? That was Wayne. Thanks, Wayne. I appreciate your message on uh, SpeakPike through our website, drewmarshall.ca. There's a pop-up on the right side. You can leave a message. Um, I want that guy to read me nighttime stories. He's got yeah, he a nice really voice. calming voice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe he could be like the late-night jazz guy. Yes, he could be. This is a new one from Louis Armstrong. <laughs> That's what his mother uh, said. You're funny. So. Who's the next one? Uh, Arthur. Here's uh, Arthur. There seems to be two, so maybe he has a lot to say. Okay. All right. Here we go. This is Arthur from the West Coast. I'm going to echo some of the stuff Bruxy said. Of it. it really feels like you wear your journey on your sleeve on the radio. I really appreciate that about you. On one level, I'm, I don't understand um, because for me, the whole thing with God, relationship or no, this, this isn't about feelings. It's about the facts. And at some level, if you come to terms with the fact that at A.D. 20, John the Baptist was a, a hermit in the southern Judean desert, and Jesus was an apprentice carpenter to his dad. And a hundred years later, the Roman Empire had to craft official political policy to deal with the church. Something outrageous happened in between those times. That's an interesting and, uh, point. If you start with that as an anchoring point, and then uh, come to terms with the overall reliability of the gospel record as a record of Jesus' life, and then go on from there to really grok what it would mean for a resurrection to happen. I don't know. The feelings don't matter so much. Um, I look forward to hearing how, I've, how you progress. Huh. And, uh, God's there. Sometimes too much, but there he is. He's always there. Take care. All the best. <laughs> so I don't get the sometimes too much, but um, yeah, interesting point. Now, here's here's the thing. It's not. It's not a mind. Or it's not a hard thing. It's a mind thing. I don't know. I think. I don't think you can separate. I mean, if you're a cog, it sounds like. Uh, what's his name again? Arthur. 
It sounds like Arthur is a cognitive dude, and yeah. so that's how he's wired. But if there is a creator, he know, then the creator n- created different things. Different well, art, people cre- differently. Wow. Art, art, See how heavy yeah. that was, man. Art, art and science aren't mutually exclusive. No, neither is Arthur. Yes. <laughs> that's good. I, I just realized.